Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Lee Cantor here with Roz Lewis, and we're very excited to have another episode of GWBC Radio, where we have conversations to grow your business. Welcome, Roz. Thank you, Lee. It's great to be here today. I know you got a full house, got an entourage, got paparazzi, got all kinds of folks. Oh, exactly. (laughs) You know, it's always good to have that fan base. (laughs) You bring them with you. So uh, the theme of today's show is cash flow is queen or king, depending who we're talking to today. And uh, some trends in business financing. Uh, What was your thinking about putting this kind of show together? Well, one of the things is the fact that one of the biggest challenges for women businesses is, believe it or not, access to capital. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, understanding your financials. You know, we deal with this every day at the Greater Women's Business Council when we're reviewing files, uh, applications for certification. And that is so key and important in a business. You know, it's actually the heartbeat Right. Of the business is to have that cash um, available. So we thought that it would be great to share some valuable information with our fantastic, who, you know, with our fantastic guests that are here today, um, you know, to share with the listening audience. And that's aligned with the mission of GWBC, right, is to help prepare that uh, woman-owned business to be successful. Yes. Our mission is actually the CEOs to certify educate, and then provide opportunities to grow your business. Mm -hmm. So you want to kick it off? Who do you want to start with? Yeah, let's kick it off by talking about who we have today. Um, It's going to be Andy Fried with the UGA, University of Georgia Small Business Development Center. He's an accounting and finance consultant. And we have Anita Davis, president and chief Funding Matchmaker. You like that name? Matchmaker. (laughs) Funding Matchmaker at her business, Business to Banker Connection. So, Andy, share with us and with the audience a little bit about the UGA Small Business Development Center. Sure. Good morning, Roz. Uh, The Small Business Development Center is fully taxpayer funded. Um, We have 17 offices in the state of Georgia. Uh, We provide guidance on all areas of business, financial management, marketing, HR, a little bit of everything. And we have a lot of resources, a lot of um, third-party resource partners, and um, we've got the answer. We we can find you the answer. Either we have it ourselves or we can direct the traffic to where we need to go. Now, what kind of businesses should uh, kind of take advantage of your services? We, We help... Every single business. I mean, I drive down Roswell Road here in Sandy Springs, and I look at just so many clients in the service business, in the retail business, manufacturing, in every sector. We so it doesn't have to be. I just at beginning. It could be I'm a veteran business and I'm plateauing or I'm having some challenges, and these resources are available available to me, and I didn't even know they existed. And it's like kind of a free service, right? It's it's, it's completely free. And if you're in business and you're a taxpayer, our doors are open to you. And you should take advantage of it. Like, there's no reason not Wait, to at least if, have a relationship. If you're paying for it, you <laughs> right. might as well take advantage of it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so say that again. You said F-R-E-E. F-R-E-E. Our organization likes to say it's a no-cost. We don't like to say that we're free, but it's a no-cost service because you are paying through your tax dollars. Correct. But this is, Roz, I've had the chance to meet with folks there in the past and currently, actually. Uh, some of the stuff on the walls are because we're talking to somebody from that group. It's one of these things where business people, it's, business is hard, right? Yes. So you have a resource that's available to just listen and just at no cost because you're already paying for it. And companies aren't taking advantage of it. It should just be part of the their day-to-day. I mean, I don't care what level of business you are, the super successful or startup. Well, and just also the information you're going to receive right. by being there. There's no negative. There is no negative. And it's a great resource. It's a great way to network, get counseling, get advice. You know, I've always heard there have been enough mistakes made. You don't have to create new ones. So this is the go-to place Thank in you. order to get information if you're starting your business. Right. So how do you two work together? Well, 
with the Small Business Development Center. It is one of the resources that the Greater Women's Business Council uses to um, refer our women businesses to, mm-hmm. of saying when they're looking at, especially when they're looking at to try to do business with the government, you know, because that in itself is an arduous, you know, venture alone. Those are the areas that we feel they can, when they're looking at understanding business planning, when they're looking at um, any growth, because you also have different components of the Small Business Development Center and of SBA as well. So now in today's conversation, we want to hit on the cash flow element of this, right? Absolutely. So any tips for that, Andy? Like what are some mistakes you see that businesses making or some opportunities? Well, um, you know, I didn't mention part of our services. I, I'd say half of what I do at the SBDC is access to capital. Um, you know, helping entrepreneurs get into business, helping entrepreneurs stay in business and grow their business. This is really what we do. And, you know, we have experts in the space of marketing, digital marketing and HR, but my area is really access to capital and financial management. Uh, we are partly funded by the SBA. And so we are very much connected with the banking community, all the, all the SBA bankers in Metro Atlanta and, and the state of Georgia. So, um, we have relationships. We know what's a good fit for our clients, who will, who won't, um, what they require. And we help them put together their entire package, their financial package, financial projection, their business plan. And Lee, just to, for clarification, we, about 30% of our clients are people going into business, 70% of people already in business. Mm-hmm. So we, we are helping the entire spectrum of entrepreneurs. So, um, the, the, the engagement looks like someone calls the office, they schedule an appointment and, we unpack what they're looking for, what they need help with, and we put together the package, um, whatever it needs to get done. So now when you're helping this small business person, and maybe they're not um, a veteran business person, like, do they even know what they don't know? You know, they come to you with like sheets of paper and, you know, post-it notes and say, here's my, this is what I think is the business. I don't know what we did. Work. You know, <laughs> that, that, if they bring me the back of the envelope, that really is okay. You know, is it a, so we need to start a, someplace and that's not uncommon. I, that's more of a rule than it is, you know, than the exception. So yeah, uh, come as you are, we will figure it out and get you organized. It's and, kind of a judgment-free zone. Right. You're not judging. You're no, there's no, there's no judging. It is come as you are. Let's, you know, have a little bit of humility and move forward and make some progress. Well, think about it. You know, was it Home Depot? The owners, they started out on a napkin. Oh, really? Right. Yeah. They pretty that's much their story. drew. Yeah. That's their story. That's it. <laughs> now, what about, um, you know, a mistake I would think I've seen happen and hear people tell me about, um, they start a business. But their finances and their personal is kind of, you know, all in one big pile. And, you know, they want to write some stuff off, but they don't want to show revenue. But then they need a loan and they haven't shown any, you know, like kind of an intermingling of uh, financial That's a trap. I mean, you know, there needs to be, um, you know, people need to pay taxes. I mean, people do do tax tactics to minimize income taxes legal but at the same time you know you go to the bank and the bank wants to see profits right right and so there's some behavior that needs to be modified to uh, get access to capital so right so you got to be mindful if i want a loan from the government for x number of dollars I have to show that I can repay that. Exactly. So, exactly. Right. So you do need to be credit worthy. <laughs> right. right. You got to be credit worthy. So you're going to have to show some history, you know, of that. And, you know, more importantly, if you're talking about that, talk about the fact of personal credit versus business credit. So I've been working at the SBDC for 12 years and you know, this question, Roz, comes up about business credit. And honestly, I really don't know what that means. Um, the, the asset test is your personal credit score. Th- this is the number. Uh, the playing field is pretty much 700 or above. There are um, banks that um, Anita is familiar with that will serve people with less than 700 credit score. But, you know, to work with banks, you know, 
the primary banks, the secondary banks, uh, 700 credit score, personal credit score. That's, that's the ticket. That's the starting point for discussion. Um, I'm not really sure what a business credit score is. So I know it exists, but I really don't know when it's used and how it's used. And maybe this is a good time to bring Anita Davis in to yes. explain kind of, uh, I you know, primary and secondary bank. I don't know what that is. So maybe you can educate us about that. That's a great, um, introduction, Andy, because there are banks that are your larger banks or your standard commercial banks that they have ha- billboards and, you know, they typically do have billboards. <laughs> you are right, but they have credit criteria that's a little bit more stringent than some of the smaller banks or even some other traditional banks that will take a little bit more risk, primarily with an SBA product that will allow them to get a little bit more comfortable than maybe your local bank down the street will um, to get you access to that capital that you need. And then that's your, your firm helps a person kind of navigate this and say, you know what, your score is not going to make it in this, in the, um, TV ad bank, you're going to have to go to a different bank and maybe we can do some things to help make that happen? Absolutely. There are options available to clients that they probably don't know because they are used to going with what they're familiar with, what they see advertised, and that might be local. So my my company was formed to help solve that access to capital uh, uh, problem for most business owners. I used to be a banker, a lender for 20 years, and I've seen clients um, get declined because they may not be in a position for that particular bank. And what most business owners don't know is that every bank has an appetite for a certain type of loan or a certain type of industry. So if you go to a bank that that say, for instance, does not have a desire to add your industry into their loan portfolio, you're probably going to be declined. However, there could be another bank in another state or another location that does have an appetite for you and you can be approved. So what my firm does is we help um, educate, we rehabilitate, we navigate, and then we match make clients into safe and sound funding solutions. So for the last two years, what I've done is built a network of funding options and alternatives for clients. Most of the loans that I am successful at getting done these days are really bank loans and they're bank loans with SBA product that you may have gotten turned down by a bank down the street. And so, you, go ahead. so you mentioned, you know, rehabilitation, you know, therapy, you know, what type <laughs> of therapy do businesses need? That's a great question. And Andy uh, spoke on it a little bit earlier. When you go to a bank and your financials are not in order, then you need to have some conversations with somebody that can help instruct you on what exactly it is going to take to reposition your company. And that's why I call it rehabilitation, because sometimes you may need to rehabilitate your personal credit score. And there are some ways to do that effectively. Say, for instance, if you have um a big credit lines with your with your personal credit cards then if you reduce those credit limits to under 30% your balance on those uh credit limits that will immediately help you improve your business your personal credit score mm-hmm. they the banks will will look at some clients that are under that 700 credit score um target and help you get into a funding solution if you reposition yourself. So some of it is this repositioning by making a call to the credit card company. But are there some things they can do as running their business that can help improve their cash flow that maybe there's tactics that they just weren't aware of? So you're right. Oftentimes, clients have a mismatch between their growth strategy and their tax strategy. And that's really where a UGA SBDC can help a client be able to realign those strategies. You, If you're going for bank funding, bank funding is going to need to see a bottom line net profit so that they can help you acquire the capital. They use that bottom line net profit number to determine how much you qualify and how much you can repay them. Mm-hmm. If you have 
have nothing or you've minimized that to a level that you can't qualify, you can't afford the payment, then they're not going to be able to help you. So understanding that if you have a growth strategy, eventually you're going to um, be able, you're going to grow out of bootstrapping your company. You're going to need to have some outside funding. Then you need to align yourself with what they're going to look for in order to get you qualified. Now that's bank funding, but there are also some other solutions that are non-bank funding that you may not need to use your personal credit score. So there are solutions out here and, and I'll give a plug for now account because I like that service. It allows companies to start and grow their business with some capital um, or expediting funding and they don't use your personal credit score. They'll use, um, they'll use a business credit score. And so Andy was saying, sharing, I don't really know what that looks mm-hmm. like, but they, Certain companies will use different avenues to determine your credit worthiness. So in this particular case, they'll use a Dun and Bradstreet and they'll use a small business financial exchange score that will determine whether or not you would qualify for some initial funding options with them. So now if that's the case, I don't even know what those scores are. Like, are you going to help me kind of get what my score is and give me some, uh, some tools or tactics to improve my score so I have a better shot at this? Is that how you operate or is that's a, that's a great question. So I'm not a reporting agency, but the score is, it really is somewhat of a mystery where that score comes from. <laughs> they, they pull together, you know, your, air. your pay, your payment performance, whether it's with a credit card company or whether it is with one of your um, vendors. So they look and determine how well you're paying and then that gives them a, a pool of information to determine what your business credit score is. So those, it is important just to pay people, pay, <laughs> pay your credit, pay your pay personal on time, obligations, pay on time, pay right. on time yeah. and then pay your vendors and pay them on time because all of those factors go into uh, determining whether or not you're credit worthy. Lee, don't you always say fast pay makes fast friends? <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's a great, great way to think about it. I, I just say, you know, it's a, it's a character issue. Banks and funding institutions are in business just like you are. And if you, they, they determine how, how much they can lend out based on your, the performance that, you know, expect, expecting a regular payment on time at a certain month. Every time you don't get to sign a contract and say, I'm going to pay you $500 a month and I'll pay you $500 a month on the 15th. But when the 15th come, I don't really want to pay on the 15th. I'm going to pay you on the 30th or I'll pay you a couple of months down the road. That does not allow them to plan and be able to lend money out um, on a broad basis. So they have to have standards for that. When, when you're paying on time, it does help your ability to access capital. So in other words, you're saying that if I pay on time, more than likely I'm going to get that line of credit when I need it for that potential, you know, RFP that's coming. That's a great question because... Paying on time, that's a standard. It's like dating. Don't cheat on me. Then that's a base. That's a base. <laughs> that's you know, that, that's, 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 you know, that's table stakes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, you know, paying your, your obligations on time, that's expected. Then, then they want to know if you're looking for, again, bank debt is different from other kinds of, um, of financial funding solutions, but. If you're, if you're looking at bank capital, they're going to look for your profitability. They're going to look to see how much debt you have. They're going to look to see, uh, um, if you're paying on time. And then if you have some liquidity, meaning, you know, they look at your current obligations compared to your current liabilities to, to see if you're liquid. And that goes back to what Andy does in helping clients with their cash flow and understanding business cash flow. So it's more than just paying your bills on time, but that's just the baseline. Now, what about when you, it's time to get this loan or maybe a loan is the, maybe a loan is the appropriate thing for the business. Now, the bank is going to look at, uh, the business's finances. And, um, what if me personally have a lot of debt or I have no debt and I have millions of dollars? Is that come into play or is it kind of, kind of 
secluded by itself where it's only looking at that in a vacuum? That's a great question as well, because most um, most lenders look at you globally. They look at your business financial situation and they look at your personal and they want to know that you can afford all of the obligations that you have, your mortgage, your car notes, your your college tuitions for your right. children. They want to know what those obligations are and that you can afford to pay pay those obligations in a timely manner. And then they look at the business performance and determine that. So when they look at all of those factors together, that really is how they come up with a uh, determination as to whether you're credit worthy or not. And Andy, is this what you're seeing too? Well, you know, Lee, um, you can have a whole lot of money in the bank, a lot of cash, a lot of assets, fantastic credit score. But if the business is not a profitable business that you are not going to get a loan. These lenders today, a bank lender today wants to know, is the business sustainable? You know, they don't want to go chase your personal assets. This is work. This is time consuming, uh, expensive. They're lending to a business that is profitable, that can pay back the loan. Regardless, they don't really care about you. I mean, they certainly want to make sure that you have some personal strength, but is the business a sound business? So the business tough? stands alone. It does. That's and correct. then, so the bank will say, then write yourself a check and pay you. <laughs> <laughs> or loan yourself the money. Well, they, they will, they'll, 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 they'll decline the loan if it's not a good right. business. That's correct. So in other words, you're saying, you know, we use the term widgets, right? It has to be something that's going to be relevant, you know, and that that bell curve is not too short, you know, the lifespan of it, of the business, and that there's a future in it. I always use eight-track tapes. They were great, you <laughs> know, in the day, time, right? right, for a period of time. Well, but today? Not so much. <laughs> well, an SBA loan is 10 years, so they're they're hoping that this business will <laughs> last 10 years. 10 years. <laughs> At least 10 years. Exactly. Right? But to your point, Roz, um, there are a lot. Of, there's lots of disruption in business these days. So thing, so companies that were very profitable years ago may not be in business right. now. So uh, a lender is looking for a viable business opportunity, and they want to see some sustainability in your company. Mm-hmm. Now, what about a loan? Like, say I have an, uh, I get a contract somewhere, and then maybe I don't have the money to uh, deal with it right now. But I got this contract, you know. So now, can I get money from that? Is that is that possible? That there, are, that's a cash flow solution as well. So, if you have invoices, you can use your invoices to help you expedite your cash flow. They will take the invoices as an Who's asset. They? they are lenders. There are there are lenders. There are funding solutions that may not be bank lenders. There are non traditional solutions that 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 will um, utilize invoice financing to help you expedite your cash flow. Say, for instance, if you have a product or service and you're waiting for your client to pay you, you've offered your clients terms, 30 days, 60 days, 90 day terms, then if you need that money and faster, there are some solutions available in the marketplace, whether it's a line of credit from the bank or a non-traditional invoice financing solution or sometimes factoring, depending on your size and scope. Those things will allow you to bring that cash into your business a little faster or a lot faster and then help you be able to use that for as a working capital solution. And then you pay them or they'll receive the money from your client when they pay you according to the terms that you've set. And Andy, wouldn't you say that this is something that you see quite often, you know, is the fact that they're very excited about getting the business, but yet then it's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do right now? now. Right. You know, how am I going to deliver, deliver on the thing I promised? Right, on what I promised. <laughs> so th- this I see all the time. And this is something called growing broke, right? Growing Where, broke. Growing broke. Gro- growing broke. <laughs> you should write. So, that's a good title of a book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, and sadly, I see this quite often. <laughs> You know, you, you've heard the expression that companies go out of business because they're undercapitalized, right? And this is exactly the situation where they go into business, they wake up, they go into business, and you know, they sell widgets to a, a big box. And at the big box, and let's not name names, but let's say they pay their bills in 60, 90 days, right? But you've got to pay 120. 120, and you've got to pay your labor, you've got to pay your landlord, you've got to pay utilities, insurance. 
Uh, do they say you got to pay your, pay your employees, right? <laughs> yeah. And so you got to pay them on Friday, but you don't collect your money from your clients on 60 days or 90 days or maybe 120. Um, you're out of business before you even collect the money from your, your clients. And so, yes, this is something that needs, this is something that needs to be understood and addressed at, at the start and before they get into trouble. So this, this would be a big mistake. And so in business, we make mistakes. This is sort of the rule. The idea in business is to avoid the big mistake. And this is where I come in and all my clients. So understanding this, these, these tensions between days out, days sales outstanding, the collection period and then days payable outstanding, the how fast you have to pay your bills. So we need to get those collection periods, those payment periods in alignment, very close to each other. But if you collect long and pay short, there's just a problem and that requires, and that's not a problem if you've got adequate working capital. But if you don't have that working capital, then it's a problem. And then the question becomes, how much working capital do I need? And this is exactly what I do in my office. We put our finger right on the number and and we go from there. And yep. the working capital, the definition of that is that's what you need kind of on a day-to-day basis and like kind of um, every day, not, oh, in 120 days, I'm going to get this big pile of money, but I may not make it to 120 days. So I don't have enough working capital, even though like on paper, it looks like everything could look okay, that's but it correct. really isn't because on the day-to-day operations, I don't have enough money to pay the bills today or next week. And it doesn't matter if I'm going to get paid in two months. It, I'll be out of business by then. Yeah, All my employees so, will leave. Yeah, so Lee, this is truly uh, a challenge that most business owners struggle with. Um, they they think that the profit and loss statement is a cash flow statement. The cash flow state, and it, it's absolutely not. The profit and loss statement informs on profitability, but there are plenty of businesses that are prof- profitable that goes go out of business mm-hmm. because. Profits and cash are not the same thing. That's why there's this thing called a cash flow statement, which I would say of your listeners, maybe 95% of them have never seen the cash flow statement. So, yeah. So let's walk through what a cash, like what are the elements of that and how can somebody put one in place? Okay. So cash flow statement is automatically generated by QuickBooks. I and mean, most, most of our listeners here probably use QuickBooks, but they've never seen it. Uh, I dare say their CPAs have never showed it to them. Um, it's not intuitive, um, not user-friendly, but it's so absolutely critical to understanding it. Um, and it informs on how cash leaves, comes into business and goes out of business. So cash comes into the business from cash flow from operations, basically your profit and loss statement on a cash flow basis. And that all happens from the P&L. And then there's also things that affect cash flow, which is, that happens on the balance sheet, which is buying equipment, buying a building. That never hits the profit and loss statement. And how about if you pay back those bank loans? Right. That's not something that ever hits a profit and loss statement. That's also on the balance sheet. And then if the owner decides to take a distribution for the boat they want to buy, that never hits the profit and loss statement. So what the owner doesn't really understand is that not only do they need to manage the profit and loss statement, but they also have to manage the balance sheet. And that's something that's really not in most business owners' wheel wheelhouse. They really don't understand managing the balance sheet. They don't understand managing accounts receivable collection periods, days payable outstanding, how long they take to pay the bills. They think, you know, paying a bill is a good thing. Paying a bill too fast is not a good thing. And that's then right. and then turning inventory over, they don't really understand inventory turnover and days in inventory. And these are yeah, the retailers and their fantastic merchants, but they don't know that they're over inventoried and that affects cash flow because inventory is frozen cash flow. And so they need guidelines, they need boundaries, they need to understand on a month to month basis, basically by the 10th day of every following month, how did I do in the previous month? And so they don't have these tools. And so there's the cash flow statement, this balance sheet, the P&L, and, and they all work together and, 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 to be without self-promoting, but I've created a financial scorecard that helps people to get empowered. So they don't, you know, they don't really need me until after they, hopefully they don't need me after they use my scorecard. So, so the scorecard is kind of a dashboard where I can see on a regular basis, like, Hey, I'm going to have a problem in two months if I don't address this now. Like it gives me kind of a snapshot in the future of where danger is. It absolutely does. So it, 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 and on the very bottom line, it informs you how much working capital you have and how much working capital is required based on 
company performance. Mm-hmm. And so am I overcapitalized or am I undercapitalized? And what am I you know, how's it look? And so if you're undercapitalized, we need to go to the bank quickly, right? <laughs> the idea and is hopefully to, to get a loan. And then or but have a, lot of a lot of businesses think, well, I'm going to sell my way out of this problem, right? And then if they sell some big thing to a company that pays in three or four months, you didn't really solve the problem. Like you might be high-fiving that you made this big sale on paper, but you could have exacerbated the situation. So, you know, one of the solutions that I need talked about was selling invoices to an accounts receivable factor. And... And that's a solution to shorten the DSO, to shorten the day sales outstanding. And that's certainly a winning tactic to shorten the collection period. But at the same time, it could be a trap because of this company, if it's a staffing company that works on tight margins, let's say 20% gross profit margin and their overhead is 15% and they work on a net profit margin 5%, but then they got to pay the factor 2.5% a month to collect it. Well, if it takes two months to collect it, that's 5%. 5%, but they're only working on 5% net profit. They're not making the money, right? It's a trap. It's very tricky. It's right. very tricky. And 2.5% a month annualized, that's 30% annualized interest rate. That's like uh, help. Yeah. <laughs> Who can afford that, right? So it's very difficult to understand the cost of capital for most companies because they don't really have to deal with you that. You got to know math. Basis. I yeah. think that's the bottom line here, Ross. Math, <laughs> math, math, can, math can be intimidating. <laughs> well, in school. Yeah. <laughs> so, all the kids that are listening out there today understand how important that is to business. Well, even business owners today, oftentimes, um, Andy and I will talk to clients that have been in business for years and they don't really understand their own financial statements. They're very intimidated by the by the information that's there they'll I'll give it to my CPA and my CPA can give you the answers. You really need to understand the answers about what's happening in the day-to-day operations of your company and then help get some help, ask for um, guidance from somebody like UGA SBDC um, or, or somebody who is in a banker that can, can give you a, take a view of what your financial performance is to see where there are areas that you can um, need to get some help in. So the goal is to always bring your money in as fast as possible and push your payments out as long as possible, but making sure that you're managing the terms of the agreements that you have with your vendors. So if you can... There, there are solutions, and I think we're going to talk about some in, in a little bit later, like using P cards or using credit cards to even bring money in or push money out. You know, um, in a in a way that helps you increase the performance of your company and improve your cash flow. Cash is king, and cash is queen. Yes, and you know, talking about that, you know, there's so many companies, you know, today, especially major corporations, that are going to the purchasing card. And there's a reason for that because of the total cost of ownership of processing the invoice, especially for low dollar items. But yet we have our women businesses and our small businesses that are somewhat adverse to that. And, and why, you know, is it because of the interest rate? I mean, I mean, you know, the cost, you know, that it is the fees, which I agree they're very high. But how can we get them comfortable with understanding that that will also help them with some working capital? Well, before we get into that, I think it's super important, but let's define P-card because some people aren't familiar with that terminology. Exactly. So the P-card is a purchasing card. It is a credit card that most buyers or sourcing managers have to be able to pay that low dollar invoice. And what's low defined as usually? Well, it depends. It it depends. It could be a thousand dollars. It could actually be ten thousand dollars. Every company has a different every company. Well and within the company the um different departments. Right. The different departments or within the departments they're gonna have different level manager is going to have a different level than the sourcing manager or the VP Mm -hmm. you know may have. And you can always ask for an increase to pay a specific invoice. But that to me is what is a very quick way of getting your money so that you're not running to the mailbox. You're not running to the bank every day, you know, trying to figure out to deposit money or, or have access in order to pay those wonderful employees that you hired. Well, you know, I'm very cash flow sensitive um, giving up two and a half percent or three percent of my sale to 
um, Citibank. Um, I really would rather not give up two and a half to three percent. Two and a half to three percent. You know, I don't know, Anita. Most companies that I work with, they work on maybe five percent net profit margin, ten percent net profit margin. You give up if you work on ten percent and you're giving up three points. That's thirty percent, right? That's help. Uh, I don't want to give up thirty percent of my prop, my net profit. So. Um, if I'm cash struggling, cash challenge, I will absolutely take that P card. But as a general rule, that will not be what I want to do. I would encourage my uh, clients to pay me with an ACH transfer. That's a that costs typically fifty cents a transaction, a dollar a transaction at tops, as opposed to giving up two and a half, three percent. So ACH transfer has really been a, a, a big trend. Uh, in business um, financial transactions. So, so practically, how does a business switch? Like, say they're taking credit cards or you, they're using these P cards and they are paying those fees that are associated with that because they're trying to be easy to work with and they're trying to make it easy. Can then ACH be easy too? Are there ways to make that simple for the company and their clients? So, Lee, I'm sure, I'm not sure what you do in your personal life, but I'm sure you work with a plumber or an electrician or a landscape uh, company and you know, maybe on a recurring basis, and they'll email you an invoice into your inbox, and you click on a box, and they ask you uh, for payment. Uh, you put in your routing number, you put in your your checking account number. It's all very secure, and this transaction um, costs fifty cents or a dollar. And so, you know, instead of the person, the landscaper, mailing you an invoice, and it sits on in a pile on your desk and on underneath some pile of stuff and it gets lost and you know, you get around to it when you get around to it. But if you see it in your inbox and all you have to do is click on a box, put in your routing number and put in your, in your checking account number, this accelerates collections for, for companies tr- tremendously. And with less fees and with, with tiny fees, no credit cards. So it's a beautiful thing. So but, if but, you can, sorry, but for clarity, I just want to make sure, mm-hmm. but there to your point, we still want the, you know, our audience to know there is a charge for ACH. There correct. still is some right. charge but that's it, there, but, but nothing to the impact of correct. the a credit fra- card. Correct. A fraction of a fraction of the cost of, of um, credit card merchant fees. Correct. So most companies do not have a collection strategy for their business. And if you, all of your customers may not allow you to ACH them. So, if they don't, then you go to the next level that right. might be using a P card. And if you don't, then you, or you use your line of credit, your mm-hmm. working capital line of credit. So you, there, you, you go down to different levels to determine, is this the, the, the way my client is going to pay me and pay me most, um, expeditiously? Right. So you want to get that, um, have those conversations with your client before you bring them on board and determine how can, can, how will you accept payment? How will you pay me? And if you can get, have those conversations early on, then you get to the lowest cost of capital, which is going to be your ACH solution. If that's the case or your work, your business line of credit, then you get those things, um, done and in place on the front end. And then you go down to the, maybe some of the more, costly solutions or costly ways to bring in your your payments. Well, and the issue may have nothing to do with that at all. It could be just company-specific problems like um, billing is not done on a timely basis, billing is done inaccurately, uh, there's poor communication between the seller and the buyer. Uh, you know, they don't follow up if they're in the home improvement business and they do a job and they don't call the customer after the job's done and they don't ask how the job go, just poor communication there's a whole host of reasons um, why there may be slow collections and not expensive solutions, just a better job of running the business. I see this all the time. And then having those systems in place ahead of time, and and that's part of the service GWBC and the uh, SBDC does, right? That's part of your work is to help the business person just be informed that, look, just because you're good at plumbing – there's a lot more to business than just plumbing, right? <laughs> There's a lot of moving parts here, and you got to get your act together in these other areas if you want to be able to keep this business going over time. That's correct. 
Yeah, you're going to be wearing a lot of hats, <laughs> right? Right, when you're first starting your business, your chief cook and bottle washer, right? right? But they you're don't, all you know, a person has a dream, and then maybe they're at they're working for somebody else, and they're good at what they do, and they're like, "Look, I can do this as good as this person," and they don't realize how many other things that are happening other than just doing the work. Like doing the work is like you said, Anita earlier. That's table stakes. You yeah. have to do a good job. That or you're never going to make it in business. All these other things, these are saboteurs that are out there waiting to trip you up, right? If you don't get this stuff right. Or you look at them as these are opportunities for you to learn and expand your knowledge about what all you need to have a successful business and determine when you need to get outside help, you know, which is my question. You know, at what point does a business owner look to gain assistance from a CPA or an accountant, you know, to basically help them with these financial statements. You just have to call Andy. And then you, and call, you know. and Anita. <laughs> Anita. But Andy's free. Like this. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> call Andy first. Then call me. <laughs> Andy will call Anita. Don't worry. Exactly. <laughs> but I think it's important for you. If, if you don't understand your financials, get a system in place. And they're just, Andy mentioned early QuickBooks is a, is a great way to have a system. And then if you are not comfortable with the information in your financial statements, I think that's a great time to consider adding a CPA um, or, you know, and you have to pay for services right? again. So well, just like the person's paying for their services, exactly. (laughs) exactly. They want an expert. That's why they called the plumber. You know, if they could do it themselves on YouTube, they would have done it themselves. And sometimes they're level. So maybe you start at a bookkeeping level where somebody can just help you keep your records in order, put that into a system like QuickBooks, and then that reporting information goes to a CPA. And you don't have to have a CPA on on, uh, on uh, handling your financial statements on a monthly basis, but they may be reviewing them quarterly just to make sure that everything is in order so you'll be prepared when it comes time to um, um submit your your financials for your tax returns. That's important for you to to just think through am I handling my financials well? You know if you if you're not doing any financial statements or you're not putting your information into some formalized system that that's probably not you're you're probably needing some help. Mm-hmm. What do you say Andy? Yeah, I'd say that um as a general rule Lee, that <clears throat> a person should have a full set of financial statements on their desk by the 10th day of every following month. That, that's just a rule. And if it's not the 10th day, then make it the 15th day, right? That, that's a starting point. But then, you know, it's not enough to just print the financial statements. They really need to understand the financial statements. Right. Printing so, it yes. and putting so it in the file. Printing it. Anybody. Okay. I printed the Andy check, but <laughs> what does this mean? What does it mean? And so, and, and this is really where I come in. And honestly, you know, one meeting in my office would be absolutely empowering and perhaps transformative. I, you know, if they just need, if they just knew some of the benchmarks for their business and they could be external benchmarks, industry benchmarks, or they could be benchmarks that they've cooked up themselves, but there needs to be some benchmarks. So for instance, any kind of business, um, has sales. Most businesses have cost of goods sold or cost of services. So, Sales minus the cost of goods sold or services equals gross profit. And so we make sense of numbers by dividing everything into sales. So gross profit divided by sales is gross profit margin. This is absolutely the introduction and the advanced class of business. What is your gross profit margin? What should it be? If, if, if they say I buy something for a dollar and I sell it for two dollars, that means they're making a dollar and a two dollar sale. That's a 50% gross profit margin. And then when they print their financial statements the following, on the 10th day of the following month and it turns out it's 40%, that means they gave up 10%, 10% of whatever their sales were. Their sales for the month were a hundred thousand. They gave up 10%. That means $10,000 came out of the bottom line. They need to have these benchmarks in place. If their whole overhead, so if they're 50% gross profit and their overhead is 40% and their net profit is 10%, well, then they need to make sure that every month that their overhead is within, is 40% tops. If it's more than that, that's coming out of the bottom line. And so what I'm saying in English is that they need to have a budget. They, every uh, one of my clients needs to have a monthly, quarterly, annual budget, set the benchmarks up, have the budget, 
put the, take the five minutes it takes to put the actual numbers in for each month, five minutes, and then compare performance against the benchmarks and then make <laughs> timely corrective actions. It's just not that complicated, but it's complicated if they don't know what to do. Yeah. And they don't know the terms. And, and it's sometimes the business owner is overwhelmed by, look, it's hard enough to just keep the doors open and selling things. And then, and you know, then you're worrying about tax ramifications. Then you're worrying about now cash flow is more important if I'm going to get a loan. Like some of these things sound like they're opposites, you know, like at one point I'm trying to save money on my taxes and now I'm, I'm being told now, now I got to not save money on my taxes because I want to get a loan later on. That's going to help me grow faster so I can save money on my taxes later. Like it's, it sounds (laughs) confusing and contradictory. Some of it. Well, it's not contradictory. It's a trap. That's really what it is. (laughs) You know, the CPA says, you know, to, you know, a business owner, I can reduce your income taxes by deferring revenue, accelerating expenses, which will minimize your income and minimize your income taxes. But if this person wants to go to the bank and borrow money or this person wants to sell their business, well, valuation is based on net income on their tax returns, a multiple of net income, three, four times net income. And the CPA has been busy you know, minimizing income taxes, which is minimizing income. Then the company value is minimized. And then the chance of getting bank financing is also minimized. So, it, you know, the CPA can defer – Revenue, accelerate expenses, and it's just deferring income taxes down the road. You know, it's just, you know, the business owner needs to be absolutely economically motivated. I mean, they need to be aware of income taxes, but their primary concern should be absolute economic motivation to maximize profits. That is what we do in businesses, maximize profits, maximize growth, maximize access to capital grow the business, grow the profits, and and everything will follow suit. So, But, the, but we talked earlier about the importance. At some point, you're going to hire a CPA or an accountant. Someone's going to help you in this area. You better pick somebody that's aligned with those kind, that kind of thinking because if, if they think they're serving you by just lowering your taxes, they may not be the right fit from CPA standpoint, right? You've got to choose wisely here. So you've got to have good communication <laughs> with your CPA what, Yeah, what outcome do you and desire? Exactly. And they need to have a little knowledge of what your goals are, you know, your, exactly. you know more importantly, exactly. so they'll know how to advise you. Right. If you're, if you're running a lemonade stand and you're a mom-pa lemonade stand and all you want to be is a lemon, mom-pa lemonade stand, then you know what? Defer, accelerate, whatever you want to do. But if you want to have 10 lemonade stands and you, you're going to need, need access to capital and grow the business and at some point you're going to want to sell this business for a lot of money, you need to be thinking maximize profits, period. That, that's got to be – that has got to be front and center and always part of your mindset. And then if that's your true north, then all your decisions are going to be informed by that and that's what you're going to be acting towards. Correct. They have to be in alignment. And, and, and to Roz's point, you do have to convey and communicate to your financial advisor, your CPA, your accountant, whoever is helping you with that, that this is my goal. And then they can align how they help you um, show your performance on your tax return. Because one of the great benefits of starting a business is that you can write things off. And that seems simple and great when you first start, but you eventually will, will grow Beyond out of that, that yeah, right. you, you need to grow beyond that if you want to have 10 lemonade stands. Exactly. So you need to think strategically about where I'm going and can I do this self-funded? Most people can't. That's why banks exist. They do want to lend money. People always, uh, make the comments that banks don't want to lend money. No, that's not true. They hire (laughs) really, really top (laughs) talented people to help sure that they can lend you money. So that is their goal. With the right, they want to lend the money in the correct manner to the people that wanted to use it in the correct manner. Right. So you need to understand, you know, what they're going to be looking for. There's a risk profile for every company when they're going to look for capital. And so if your risk profile meets their their qualifications, then you are going to right. be able to access that capital. There is 
a lot of money out here available and there are many, many resources to do it. You just need to be strategic about that and then get advisors when you're unclear about maybe the cost of capital. Andy, how much is it going to cost me if I want to do this so that somebody can help you have a good direction to move forward with your plans? And then, of course, you can always hire me because I can find the money for you. Right. And and I think, Anita, the important part of your service is that you're looking beyond my, you know, my block, right? Right. So that if I think like, oh, I know the banker down the street and he said no, so I'm out of luck. So I'm not going to be able to get money. I can call you and you have access to banks all over the place. All and over the country. And there might be opportunity, like you said, in Wichita, the person might be the exact right banking fit for me that I would never even known. Exactly. I'm, I'm helping a client right now that was turned down by a local bank and we just getting him approved by another bank that's in California. Right. And so it does, there are, there are ways to have what you're looking for. You just need to know where to go. And oftentimes it's not going to be simple for you to do that. So you, you hire somebody who can navigate that for right. you. Now, Roz, uh, for the GWBC, um, are you doing any speaking or any events to help kind of help your people with this to help them learn about this? Lee, I'm so glad you asked that question (laughs) because just in a couple of weeks, we're going to be hosting our power of partnering marketplace. That's going to be held at the Gwinnett energy center on August 27th. It's from 8 a.m. to 4 30 PM. And after that, we'll be having a nice little reception, but come and join us. Not only that, if you enjoyed today's information, you're going to have an opportunity to hear more and get more details from Andy Freed of UGA because he is one of our workshop speakers on cash flow. So that is one of the, you know, beauties of hosting events like this is to be able to provide our women businesses, small businesses, minority businesses, with an opportunity to learn more about how you can grow your business. So keep that in mind. Online registration is still open at gwbc.biz and click on events and you will see the power of partnering marketplace and more information, including our keynote speaker, who is Sean Duperon, and she is going to talk about how leaders never receive the apology they deserve. And you're going to think, my gosh, (laughs) what is that about? But too often that happens. So hopefully you all will join us and that you'll get a chance to meet Andy in person. And Anita will probably be there too, as well as other um, women businesses and major corporations that you may want to do business with. And before we wrap, I want to make sure everybody gets coordinates for the guests. Uh, Andy, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, what's the coordinates? Uh, if they Google Andy Freed, F-R-I-E-D, uh, at UGA SPDC, they'll, they'll find they'll me. They'll find you. Yep. And uh, Nita? Um, you can look me up on my website, businesstobankerconnection.com. And then you can always call 770-365-0858 to have a direct contact with me. And then you two are both open to connections on LinkedIn? Absolutely. Sure. And Roz, one more time for uh, GWBC if they want to learn more about the organization and some of the upcoming events. Exactly. At www.gwbc.biz. And I'm always going to leave you with a parting thought. And that is revenue is vanity. Profit is sanity, but cash is queen. All right. Thank you so much for sharing your story, everybody. And we will see you all next time on GWBC Radio. 